John. John. What's up, man? Not much. Yeah, yeah. I've got a uh, lot of exciting things. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I was in Wichita. I, I just got back late, late last night. I haven't even unloaded my truck yet. My truck's still full of tools, but I went up there on Monday. Got there Monday afternoon and worked till last night, completely gutting the kitchen. So my wife, you know, we bought this house and she was we're we were gonna leave it just the way it was and just move in. But it was like, well, we should paint, we should do this. What if we got a new refrigerator? Because that's like this little rinky-dink beat-to-hell refrigerator. It looks like there's like a yeah. uh, uh, UFC fight in my kitchen, and they just were beating each other, their heads against this refrigerator. It's all beat in. It's hmm. crazy. I mean, it's like a really nice house with this old rinky-dink stainless steel refrigerator. So she's like, what if we get like a, you know, a new refrigerator, full size, blah, blah, blah. And then what if we got rid of that, oven, the double ovens and do a stove? And what if we got rid of this yeah. and did this i'm like well at that point let's just rip out the kitchen just re- like, redo the whole thing i'm gonna spend yeah. more time trying to modify these hundred year old cabinets than just putting in new cabinets if we rip out the kitchen let's rip out the flooring if we're about the flooring then let's yeah. repair let's move outlets let's move the gas lines let's do this let's repair that let's you know put insulation where there's insulation missing so that's what i've done the last four and a half days was Sweet. completely gut the kitchen down to zero uh, pull out like framed bulkheads, move gas lines. There was a gas leak. I didn't even tell Aaron about this. There's a gas leak in the basement I found. So I had to get that fixed. I had to get a plumber come out to fix gas leak. I was I set my alarm for like 3.30 in the morning to get up to like apply more drywall mud, things like this, just because I was on such a tight <laughs> timeline, you know, and then getting up, I was like 3.30 in the morning, I'm in my underwear in the kitchen by myself because I was letting Aiden sleep, sanding, you know, and then applying more mud to like 5.30 in the morning. Then I have my alarm set for 7.30 to get up to keep going. Um, but we got it done. We got it done. By the by the skin of our teeth, we got it all painted. And uh, so now I'm back in, in Arkansas. I'm going to cast concrete tile this week, all the floor tile I'm going to make for the kitchen. Um, going to bang it out in a few days. Get those... Uh-huh. Obviously, using Maker Mix, Kodiak Pro Maker Mix. If you haven't heard about Kodiak Pro Maker Mix, go to KodiakPro.com to get the best concrete in the world. This podcast is just a commercial for Kodiak Pro. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to use Kodiak Pro Maker Mix, uh, probably slate pigment, probably 3%. That's what I did for my house, and it looks amazing. But uh, I'm casting these really large format hexagons. It's going to be rad. You never see tile like this ever. And that's what's great about what we do is we can make really innovative things like large format hexagon tile that doesn't exist in the marketplace. Right. We can do it just in a few days. Like, you know, you're like, let's do it. Let's do it. So we're going to do it. And, uh, and I'm doing Ikea cabinets. People are like, oh, Ikea sucks. Well, their cabinets are actually pretty, pretty damn nice, especially if you glue and screw them together. So I ordered that. So I'm going to, those are going to be delivered on Saturday. I'm going to assemble those and then cruise back up there next week, install the flooring, grout it, set the cabinets, template, come back what, make thickness, the countertops. what thickness of tile are you doing half inch half inch okay. half inch yeah so that's the uh the existing wood floors are three quarters of an inch thick so i'm gonna do half inch tile and plan on quarter inch um thin set the large format tile so i'll do a thick thick notch mm. ha- a quarter inch thin set and leveling clips to get it to that you know three quarter inch threshold so so that's the plan um but yeah so that's been my week Awesome, man. Yeah. You need to order in some of those, three, did you already, some of those three millimeter ARHDs? No. I'm no. telling you. Dude, I don't even know if I have enough those? mix to make these tile or fibers. I haven't done any tile. I got to do that when I get off this podcast. I got to do like inventory, see what I even have here. Because chances uh, are I'm going to be like three pounds short on fiber. You know, it's just, uh, ah, ah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you can't go down to Home Depot and get this stuff. So, right. 
you know, we'll see. Fair enough. Yeah. How you been? What have you been up to? Oh, this week's been busy, man. It's always busy. Um, what, I mean, I think I tell you, literally just posted today. I got in touch with a, a company I worked with years ago. Anyway, thinking about releases, um, still working with materials. So, let's talk about, let's talk about the release go... real quick, because that, that's very interesting. So mold release has yeah. always kind of been an issue with concrete. There's a lot of releases that aren't really for our industry. They get marketed to the concrete industry that are like silicone-based releases that entrain air and create thousands of pinners in your piece. Right. And so you have a contact with a, like an aerospace. Yeah, that's their main market has always been aerospace and you know, mold making and stuff related to those kind of stuff. Yeah. So releases so, for that. So they can custom formulate for us. Correct. Formulations yeah. don't exist anywhere in the world. It's not repackaged, you know, um, right. dry silicone spray for, that's, that's one of the big dirty secrets is a lot of the concrete release you see is uh, food grade silicone for deli equipment. It, it's aerosol. Right. They use it to, to lubricate deli equipment, but then they just take that label off and put a Put another one Concrete on, mold right? release label. Oh, here yeah. you go. Well, that's not really yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not really ideal. So this would be custom made for us for Kodiak Pro, just yeah, for what based, we do. Yeah, based on our recommendations yeah. or our needs with you. And it and it started with, and we've talked about this quite a bit in, in previous podcasts, but it started with guys using the steel, reusable steel deck tables. And it seems like it, it's never as Dusty would tell me, it doesn't happen on everything, but out of nowhere, when he feels like he's following his same procedures of, you know, waxing and buffing and releasing and, and next thing you know, out of nowhere, you know, he could cast five pieces right next to each other. One sticks and the other three don't. And, you well, know, the other and, four and don't, right? Because if it's other, yeah, five, sorry. I, sorry. Yeah. So, but it's, it's always random. And just when he feels like, He's knocked it out of the park and he's, you know, set a protocol, boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, it happens again. Yeah. And it's not a universal thing. So the first thing talking, I actually talked to the chemist here yesterday and was, you know, we were walking through some of these things and are, you know, we're talking about solvents versus water bases and steel and, you know, pore structures. And anyway, I think we might. I mean, we may ultimately end up in down a rabbit hole. Who knows? But I'm pretty excited about it, man. It, you know, talking to somebody who's directly related to this kind of chemistry, right? This kind of thing. And so I, we may come up with some pretty innovative things. And I, again, I posted stuff on the Kodiak and the ICT group for people to chime in. The first thing that did surprise me when it really shouldn't is a couple of the guys chimed in and Oh, John, you know, I use almost five, six different releases for all these different situations. And and I'm not saying that's wrong. I don't know. But you know what, Brandon, as we talked about with the Kodiak, I mean, our, you know, driving force with Kodiak is I when I'm in the shop, I didn't want eight different admixtures for eight different situations, mm -hmm. right? Three different sealers that I had to, you know, modify for techniques for diff three different. I mean, it's just sometimes I feel like these materials that are out there, which quite frankly, I think we'll all agree, aren't necessarily always legit. If we could combine them, if I can, you know, get lean and mean, 
and cut these things down and move forward. So that's how I'm feeling with releases too. Yeah. The same. If you go into my shop right now, there's, you know, part all two, there's smooth on this, there's spray that, there's aerosol this, there's, I mean, you name them, I've gone through them too. I mean, the latest one picking up a, what was it, an 880 VOC, uh, an oil-based kind of thing. And, you know, before I know it, it, it again, it feels like this rabbit hole, mm-hmm. you know, and having conversations with these guys that say, hey, it worked this time, but not that, not next time, or, you know, everything worked these four were great and this one didn't, but I did the same thing across the board. Well, then that tells me that it's time we start looking at this from a different angle. Yeah. And so that's my hope. That's that's something I started this week. I'm going to follow through and we'll see what it, we'll see where it goes. I think that's awesome. And I think realistically what's been going on is there's not a lot of money to be made for our little niche industry. And so sure. what happens is they take fiberglass release. They take you know, an epoxy release. They take things for the mold making industry, not for our industry, but for, for, you know, production type stuff. And they say, well, let's probably work with the concrete. We'll probably work sure. the concrete. Let's put a label on it. Let's just call it yep. uh, Crete, Crete this, you know, or whatever. And so that's what's been happening. And it's just kind of putting a bandaid on the problem, but never really solving the issue because nobody is focused on let's make something specifically for this. Right. You know, same way. And then like the rest of us. It's kind of been that way. It's never been developed for us. It's been developed for other things. And then just kind of gets marketed to this industry, you know? Right. And as we talked about, then all of us kind of get in our ways. Well, this seems to be working for me. So I just use this and, you know, it's hard to get outside the box. And then quite frankly, along these, this same idea is bringing something new, different or innovative it's, it's not easy. And that's for everybody's shop when, when we've talked about this too, even if it was a new design or, you know, something you're, you're trying to push yourself towards. So, um, instead we look around, we grab something, it seems to work, whatever we call that. Oh, well, you know, I have the least amount of problems with this one. And, and that's kind of how we all have rolled around. So yeah, I remember when people were using like Pam, you know, oh, really? like cooking spray or people are using like, um, armor all or like tire uh the silicone stuff they put on tires for like automotive mm-hmm. detailing people were spraying that on molds for a long time when i first started that's the kind of things you would see on forums like oh i use black magic tire silicone i'm like what right. that's crazy that's what people are doing well i mean flat work guys like how many times when they their all they did is spray them down with diesel fuel yep well, <laughs> right? dude surprisingly enough i have done that because on roughs on lumber it is the best release i found on roughs on lumber yeah. Because essentially the diesel flashes out. It's a solvent. It leaves like the oily residue soaked into the wood. So it'll release. Right. But uh, yeah. I haven't found anything better than that for, for roughs on personally. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Hey, that reminds me of something. We're just, it's a good segue into another conversation is, you know, there hasn't been the money to spark the innovation. And really at the end of the day, that is what drives innovation. When there's economic right. benefit, then somebody will actually put the energy and resources and risk into developing something. My buddy in Phoenix owns restaurants, and above the door, he always paints uh, an acronym. It's Tonstoffel, T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L, above every door of his restaurants. And one day really? I, was, right. I was sitting down, I'm like, what, what the hell is Tanstoffel, Tonstoffel? He's like, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That's what it means. There ain't mm. no such thing as a free lunch. I'm like, huh. And so I did a little bit of research on that. And I've always, that always stuck with me, but I did a little bit of research. And according to Wikipedia, 
that idea is at the core of economics. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch as the core of economics. And the first use of it goes back to 1938. That's when that Tan Stoffel, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, uh, was first used, was 1938. There has to be some type of reason to do something. And in the modern world, in the, you know, the capitalist society we live in, that's typically going to be a financial motivation to do something. Right. Um, otherwise, as people, I think, will find out, if you just do things just to do them, you'll do it for a little while. But at some point, you're like, dude, I got bills to pay. I got to go right. to my kid's recital. My wife is hounding me to you know, do yeah, this I got stuff. A mortgage. I, I, yep. just, I can't just sit here all day and do this just for the, the sake of doing it. There has to be a reason, right? And so we, we uh, have the Concrete Hoedown and Holler coming up October 14th and 15th. Go to KodiakPro.com, go to Menu, yeah. Shop, That's gonna be fun. Training and Events, Concrete Hoedown. It's $999, $999, but you get a $250 credit, so it's actually only $749 that it cost you to come to that event. So anyways, where I'm going with this is there's been a, a little bit of like a, a undercurrent that we've heard of people like, yeah, that seems like a little bit expensive for this event right? $749, essentially what it costs you, $749. But there's expenses. And there's expenses with putting on an event, there's expenses with materials, there's expenses with porta potty rentals, there's expenses with stuff. But there's also, we're going to be taking over Dusty's shop, his land. Yeah, that's, I was going to say, that's the first one for me. I mean, we're going to be cannibalizing someone's shop. And, you know, the just for me, I'm just going to say the John Schuler side, that that time that we held a workshop at my shop, which was great, and yeah. I loved it. But afterwards, materials got missing, you know, tooling I can't find, things got broken, and and I, nobody was doing anything hard, you know, none of us, this is the life of it. Yeah. So, you know, it's the nature of having have, an event. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, X amount of people of an event. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's things that materials that need to be covered, you know, um, things that need to be replaced, things that need to be shipped out. And just so, the time, because Dusty, if yeah. we're going to be up there for these days, well, the week leading up there, you know he's going to start cleaning up, putting things off to the side, stopping projects, getting ready for right. this whole thing, cutting the grass, doing this, doing that, getting everything set up. Yeah. Then we're going to be there. And then after the event, he's going to be beat. His land's going to be wrecked. Uh, his shop's going to mm -hmm. be a mess. And it's going to be another week. So it's really going to be two and a half, three weeks of his time. So anyways, for anybody thinking like, well, they, these guys should just, you know, it should be less than that. It should be less. First of all, 749 is super cheap for two days. But number two, there's a lot of costs that have to be accounted for. And there has to be financial motivation yeah. for Dusty to host this at his place. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to get rich doing it. He, here's an interesting thing, uh, which is a sideways. It just dawned on me. So I watched a video the other day. I actually shared it and I found it I don't know, it may be inspiring, but it was this guy, I don't even know who he was. He was sitting behind a desk and he was talking. And it just came to mind when we're talking about this right now. And he was making a reference to my buddy who just opened a restaurant. And then those people that when your buddy opens this restaurant or a car dealership or whatever the case may be, you know, um, a company making concrete-based materials, that sometimes people get in their head this idea like, hey, you know, my buddy's doing this and I'm going to get a deal. Yeah. And his, this guy's so like, no, see, that's not the way you should be thinking. Your thinking should be, I want to support 
this guy I know. Not only am I, I'm going to overpay him. I'm going to tip big. You know, these are the things because I don't want this person going up. I want to help them be successful and prosper. Exactly. Uh, and, so, and that's what I was thinking the people about. That, yeah. that are, you know, contributing to your local economy, to your market, to your industry. You know, we talked about this a long time ago. We talked about this with Josh Lilly kind of in detail, mm. but essentially, you know, you can give your money to Quickrete. Believe me, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Yeah, they think they'll be around for a while. Yeah. yeah. If you go to World of Concrete, they have like a city block in the middle of the convention center right at the very front. I think they're doing okay. Or you can <laughs> yeah. give to a little, a little company run by people that do this for a living, that believe in it, that innovate new, exciting technologies and, and, you know, contribute to people actually in this industry, not some massive mm-hmm. conglomerate that has private jets and helicopters and probably an island somewhere. Choose where you, where you put your money and, and choose to give uh, your resources to people where it's actually going to benefit people uh, meaningfully versus a corporation yeah. that's just, you know, increasing stockholder gains. So, Tom, well, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm circling around is, you know, coming, coming back to the hoedown, you know, right off the top. Yeah, we're putting, you know, $250 towards something. So, you know, just put it, we're not making anything. You yeah. know? I mean, we're, we're putting that right on the table. Yeah. So the, the whole idea of the hoedown is, is, you know, for two days, what was the other comment I got from one guy? Uh, like, you know, which I totally understand. I don't want to come out for two days and just do concrete. Well, yeah, I get that, but we're not going to be making, this is not a course, you know, we're not, we're not, this is not a sit down with a, with a chalkboard or a, you know, a, a, what do they call that? The white, the dry erase. Yeah, we're board. not hitting a whiteboard on a garage door and droning we're on and on about particle yeah, stars and the way I always did it and when I had my factory. Right. Yeah, we're not yeah, doing that. Yeah, none of that. We're not going to show anybody how to spray and put backer coats and that's not what this is about, man. This is an entirely different. You this know, is a um, social event. It's a social totally. event. It's just a it's social event. It's not a training event, event where you're going to learn yeah. things for sure. We're going to talk about concrete. We're going to talk about sealer. We're going to talk about mixing. We're going to talk about all the kinds right. of fun stuff, but it's not training. No, it is not going to be training. No how. I mean, I'm not, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going out there for two days to do training. Dude, no we're, go, we're going out to have a good time. That's where we're going. No, out. I'm going out to kick your ass. Yeah. We're no. going to put those things up and my team is going to rock. TBD. Is what's going to happen. TBD. Yeah. To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a good time. So, you know, think of this as like your yearly vacation to go and hang out with other concrete people, surround yourself yeah. with people that are passionate about the same thing you're passionate about and right. have a good time. Drink some beer, eat some barbecue, shoot some concrete projectiles at targets. Maybe we'll take some guns and go shoot concrete targets. Who knows? But we're going to have a good time. And at the end of it, you're going to look back and be like, this was amazing. um, Maybe someone like, we'll do a little bit of comparative testing just with materials. Because, you know, one of the things I still get consistently asked about still is fibers. Yeah. Fibers, consistently fibers. You know, especially what's happened over the last year or so between PVA, the hundreds, the 400s, which PVAs, which glass, you know, why bundles, you know, so some, we may just, just for the sake of it, make some stuff with two different ones and yes, shoot them. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Drop them. I don't know. Just, you know, fun stuff just for a couple days for the sake of doing it. Um, you know, not trying to sell people on which fibers, but, you know, anyway. Yeah. And we, so, we uh, have had people register for the hoedown. We only listed it a yeah. week ago. 
Mm-hmm. We, we haven't set a cap on it. We might set a cap on it. It depends. I just don't know what to expect since this is our first hoedown. Are 20 people going to come or two, 200 people going to come? Well, 200 people wouldn't work, you know? No. So if it starts getting too crazy, if we get too many registrations, then we're going to have to make a decision on where we're going to we're going to pull the plug and, and stop registration. So anyways, that's my point is right now we haven't haven't decided on that. We're just kind of going to wait and see and and see how it develops. But uh, register soon or later if you want to go. Get on, get on the uh, get on the schedule, get your plane booked, get your hotel booked, yeah. and uh, we'll see you out there. Next thing I want to well, hit and real at quick. the very oh, least, uh, sorry, I'm just going to say, and at the very least, anybody who's out there listening and maybe on the fence for whatever reason, you know, look at it from the other angle that not only are we going to come just to have a good time and a complete social event, you know, that those proceeds are going to, you know, help one of your guys in the industry who, by the way, is putting his property, his shop, and the area around him in potential harm's way. I mean, these projectiles, you know, that we're talking (laughs) about, you know what I mean? That's going to leave a mess. And, you know, we can't all just walk away from that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's going to be a good time. Uh, Next thing on my list, John, is Canadian customers. So Mm. uh, as of July... You know, it's July 30th, it's in July, but as of now, when you hear this podcast, July 30th, 2022, moving forward, just place your uh, Kodak Pro orders through the Kodak Pro website. And, uh, and if you have an issue, if for some reason the website's giving you problems, sometimes Canadian orders, the address is formatted weird and it won't let you check out. Let us know. Me and John can send you a custom invoice to, to place your order. Right. And if it's less than a pallet, hit up Joe Bates. Joe Bates sends smaller orders to Canada all the time. So if you want to just yeah. get five bags to play with or you have a small project, Joe Bates at SE Fab in Napa, California can help you out. So hit up Joe. Joe just got another truckload of mix. We're getting pretty close to him having his kind of preset smaller pallets done and available. He's building a website right now, so you can just go to the website and buy it. So, yeah, yeah. that's getting close. Well, he sent me co- he sent us copies of it. Did you? Yep. Well, I was, okay. I was ripping ripping flooring out so i saw it but i didn't see it if you know what i mean right no yeah. i totally understand yeah. yeah 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 yeah. so what else what else you got john anything else you want to discuss oh there was a third one wasn't there there was well that. it was haters haters but you know haters oh. is this the same old thing <laughs> you know, funny enough i read a quote or maybe i heard it on a podcast but it, it kind of stuck in my mind there's uh, a salvador salvador dolly quote right mm-hmm. and the quote was because i actually wrote it down was the thermometer of success is merely the jealousy of the malcontents. And what mm. that means is you can look to see how successful you are or whatever you're doing by how many people are talking trash about it, right? Yeah. The yeah, more yeah. people talking trash means you're pretty darn successful. If nobody's talking, you're not doing anything. If, if you're just, you know, nobody has anything to say, you're probably not doing anything worth worth talking about. But, you know, yeah. there's chatter, there's chatter. I see stuff, you see stuff. You know, we we talk to people yeah. like, yeah, you know, so-and-so said this about Kodiak. Eh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care. I know you don't care. But it's just part of it. So the thermometer of success is merely the jealousy of the malcontents. And that's a good way to look at it. I, I say yeah, it's just I, fuel. It's just fuel. Just keep, keep well, it going. Definitely. Yeah, it, ke- it keeps you, for me anyway, it keeps you motivated to a degree. But what I will say is this, in 20 plus years... I could probably say this so many times. In 20 plus years of doing this, I can't tell you how, in fact, 
since I don't forget a whole lot of things, especially when people get under your skin, things that have been said out there by so many people. How about, you know, it's so easy, I should make my own mix. Or, you know what, yeah, there's no good sealers out there. Gosh, you know, everybody's idiots. I should just make my own. Um, and oftentimes when these, I'm just using those two comments, have been thrown across the table as I've been doing things like this for 20 plus years, what I've always found is that those same individuals <clears throat> who are very quick and loud about they should probably do it themselves, it never comes to fruition with them like that. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it's that. It's magical. Your language is magical. <laughs> it, it never comes to fruition. The language of the concrete gods, fruition. That's right. Yes. And one of the reasons I've always seen, especially when I've talked to these guys in private, is they know if they actually followed through, they would put themselves in the same bullseye, the same crosshairs to get ridiculed or whatever that they're doing. And so there's no way they're going to do it. No. No how, no way. On the flip side, I like, you know, I like keeping my nose to the grindstone. I really enjoy what we're doing right now. I mean, you, you hear me, I call you and tell you that, not just tell you on a podcast. I really enjoy what we're doing right now. I am, I am so pumped to be in, in control of where we're taking and steering this ship. And every day hearing from more guys who, for Again, I'm not going to throw their names out there, but maybe were partial haters, and now they're using the materials. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's to me, it's great. And so you take it all with a grain of salt. I'm okay with it. I don't think it's right, but I'm okay with it, and uh, and I'll entertain it. But and I'm, you know, I'll stay in the crosshairs as long as I possibly can, and and we'll keep chugging along. Uh, David Goggins. One of the things I like about him is he records all these people like hating on him. I don't know if, he, I think it's him just like reading the reviews online where he like reads oh, all the wow. stuff they say. And then when he's jogging, he like runs like 20 miles a day or 30 miles a day. He listens to it. He listens to everything that all these people have to say that's negative, right? And it, he just says like, it just drives them harder, makes them, it's the fuel, just makes them push further and further. Like these people are saying, you know, you're horrible, you're a fake, you're a phony, you're a fraud, blah, blah, blah. And he just mm. makes them, makes them go even harder. Right. So I think that's, I love it. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't got the time to listen to all the chatter. I'm not going to do that. Actually, that's, I forget what late night does that once in a while. They'll bring celebrities on board who reads their mean tweets. Come on. Oh, yeah. those, are so, those are so hilarious. Well, dude, come on. When, those when are people do like fun. come in for the worst hamburger that Susan from, from Wisconsin ever had, you know, <laughs> love on. it. Love it. Uh, it's great. Come on. That stuff is great. But extreme That's ownership. Great. So here's the other thing is I'm listening to this audiobook right now. I'm in the middle of it. Uh, extreme ownership, Jocko, who was a, another Navy SEAL, uh, really famous uh, Navy SEAL. And he wrote this book and it's really, really resounding with me heavily. Mm -hmm. It's what I've always believed to be true, but it's just making it very concise and just reiterating it. And one of the things is just taking ownership for everything. If you're a business owner, take ownership, right? Um, in your marriage, yeah. things are going sideways. You can be like, well, my wife or my husband or whatever, eh, just, no. you just take that on the chin. You say, this is my fault. This yeah. is my fault. Right. Um, so anyways, extreme ownership, that's a good audiobook to listen to. 
and now I want to go totally off subject. Okay. I forgot to tell you this because I got it in an email. So I'm going to do an unveiling right here on the podcast. Guess what bags came in? Dick bags? <laughs> the uh, Radmix bags, dude, finally. It's been like a Printing's year. Done. It's been a year know, right? since we ordered those things. Dude, yeah. I am psyched. Psyched. Yeah, I'm pretty amazing. pumped. Yeah. Well, that's good news. So, yeah, that is good news. And then, you know, along that line, taking ownership and just, I don't know, I'm going sideways. I like to stay happy. You yeah. know who else is really happy? Who? <laughs> you know who I love talking to? Who? Buddy Rhodes. Oh, thousand percent. Buddy Rhodes. Yeah. Buddy's always yeah. got a smile on his face. Always got a good attitude. Yeah. Even when things are going sideways, Buddy has a smile on his face, so... Uh, yeah, good dude for sure. I met, I, I've talked about it in the past, but I met Buddy. I went to his very first class he ever offered and I bought his very first pal to mix. Yeah, so that's been a long time. And then when Buddy did GFRC, as your boy BG, BG went to Buddy and said, Buddy, you want to do GFRC? And he's like, yep, I'm like, let's do it. So I was teaching all Buddy's classes. I made the introduction to Hiram Ball, Buddy and Hiram. They got together and uh, started doing the Buddy Rhodes brand of GFRC. But uh, yeah, dude, I've known Buddy for a long time, and he is a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. And yeah. you know, he is the OG. There's, there's uh, some people that think somebody else out in the industry, you know, maybe started this whole thing. But Buddy, Buddy predates that. Buddy started this really in the late '70s, early '80s when he was going to RISD and experimenting with concrete and doing that whole thing. So, well, I think it'd be, I think it'd be very difficult to find anybody that couldn't say as i mean maybe the newer generation now but you know here i am at 50 it's, it's undeniable in fact i could go look it's probably at my mom's house uh, the old buddy Rhodes book and i do know because it's still in my mom's yard a that one of the benches that i had made you know reading him and like oh my god look at this, this is inspiring you know the pictures and at that time the press finishes i didn't really get into the press finishes <clears throat> not because I thought they were bad. It's just, you know, I'm going to pull the John Schuler thing. Like, nah, that wasn't mine, so I got to do my own. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, Buddy was awesome. So let's give him a call. Let's do it. Buddy! Boop, boop, boop. boop. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Oh, Brandon. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Good to have you on. Hi, John. Great to be on the podcast. The Concrete yeah. Podcast. Concrete Podcast. So how's life? Life is big. It's good. It's, uh, it was hard. it's hard to be uh, retired, but, um, but I am, and I'm, I'm working with it. Yeah, sounds like you're staying yeah. busy. I'm staying busy. Yeah, I'm going up to cabin. I'm traveling. I have a new puppy, which is uh, not so new anymore. He's about nine months. I saw that. And uh, the grandson's living with us. So nice. He's yeah. young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marco. How old's Marco now? 18 what? years old. That's wow. crazy. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Life goes by. Enjoy it while you have it, Brandon. Yeah. I remember Marco was a baby. Like, legit baby. I remember when he was that we small. We go way back, yeah. you and I yeah. and John. And yep. so, 
So it's good to be on the podcast. John, you want to jump in? You've been quiet. No, again, I just figured you guys were chatting away. I'm like, all right. Oh, God. Let's, Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. Where are we let's going go, with this? Let's get the fiddle out. Usually, the violin. Get a, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not invited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been great. Buddy, I think most people, you know, in our industry know you very well, you know, heard of you. But if you want to, can you give a just a brief introduction? Now that anybody does not know who we're speaking of, but you've been in this game for a long time. You know, what, how did you get into concrete countertops? Well, basically, the phone rang. <laughs> And said, can you do my countertop? Yeah, what? And so, um, yeah, I started playing around with that. I was doing pottery for a long time. And then I went to the Art Institute of San Francisco and started to fool around with uh, adding different things to clay. And then concrete came to mind. And then one thing led to another. And Zoom, it was crazy. It was beautiful. So it was really not, I didn't start out wanting to do countertops, but that's where the, um, the money uh, said I should go. Yeah. And you started playing with concrete because the kilns weren't big enough, right? Right. Exactly. And the shrinkage and, um, and the glazes, you know, that would make something really nice and then it would shrink. Yeah. And then I'd have to glaze it and then, you know, it lost all, all uh, excitement for me. But with using uh, concrete, and every day was beautiful. I could open, you know, there wasn't that long wait between when you threw it to when it was finished out of the kiln. Sure. It was kind of immediate. And uh, I could still do glazing in a way and still color. And, and white cement at the time, I think this was in eighty. 81 or something anyhow a long time ago does uh, seem like it doesn't 40 years ago holy crap yeah yeah no it's uh, it's a wonderful deal yeah. but um yeah now i find myself 72 years old and uh <laughs> wondering why my knees hurt so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah there it is yeah and i mean it at that time you exploded because you, I mean, right. I mean, you were doing, I, I still remember a time and I don't remember which Vegas trip this was world of concrete or whatever. And we were walking down, I don't know, I'm gonna call it the strip. And then you were pointing out the, the pots and all these things that were out there that were made by you in San Francisco during this period of time. And I thought that was pretty amazing. I thought it was pretty amazing as well. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I could be shipping all this stuff all over the country and, you know, I'd get blueprints and, and people wanting to collaborate with me. And it was a wonderful time. Yeah. And yeah, just being, having my blinders on and just someone say, can you do this? And I would go, sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, lie awake at night has trying to figure out how to make it and then making it a couple of times because the first time usually didn't work that well. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I would just, just 
wanting to make the best product I could. And so one thing led to another and happy clients are, are always good. And they, um, they tell their friends and, and also, exactly. you know, I, I was writing the book as I went, you know, there was no, um, no book, no instructions how to do it, which was great and really freeing me, you know. I took the very first class you offered, and um, Tom Ralston co-taught that class. as me and one other guy. But when I came to your shop in San Francisco, you were doing all the Pottery Barns, Illuminations, William Sonomas. You had all these really big accounts, like national accounts, where you're doing all the, the concrete for the stores. But uh, a few things I remember. Your shop was huge. It was massive. You had, I don't know how many tables in there, 50 tables, 100 tables. It was incredible how big it was. Yeah, I had 44 by 8 tables. It was a 20,000-square-foot uh, shop with a big, big roll-up doors on each end and then a, wow. a yard in San Francisco. And yeah. um, It's close to yeah, the that ocean. Wasn't, that was my fourth shop. You know, I, you met me when... I was at my height and trying to look for an exit out of strategy, out of the uh, the precast business, because that was kind of tanking. Yeah. Where the economy was, and people weren't building as much. These customers, you know, they they you would get in and you had your price, and then the next year they'd kind of put the screws to you and say, "Hey, we want to use you, but we need to be at this price." To do it. And oh, they just kept William doing Sonoma, it. which is the parent company of Pottery Barn and all those. Yeah, they all those big companies like to squeeze you. And then they don't pay on time and and they hold these carrots in front of in front of me. <laughs> uh, I just fell for it every time like a jerk. Yeah. Well, if you do this for nothing, maybe you know you get this other job. Uh -huh. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I was say is I also remember sure. I met Beto. Beto used to be your your guy, but you told me like when you first hired Beto, he was a kid. And you would yeah. lift them, you'd put them into the pot molds, and he would put the concrete onto the walls of the pots. You'd like lift them up and drop them down into the molds. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I would do it at first, but then who was going to mi mix the concrete? Yeah. yeah I was well, going back and forth. So. And he was a little guy no, back Beto then. He'd, he'd the, get in there. <laughs> Forklift. That's funny. And I had an overhead crane in one of my, uh, that was a great thing. Yeah. Overhead cranes. To drop them into the molds? Yeah. <laughs> Child labor laws weren't a thing back then. You could just <laughs> attach a kid to an overhead crane and drop them in the forms. <laughs> just drop them in the molds. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. So what, what did you like most about, about, you know, your years running a concrete business? What was the best part of it? The experimentation and the looks on the customers' faces. It's basically that, yeah. Yeah, you that I could come up experimentation with Experimentation in what you were making, or you mean experimentation in the materials? Material, what I was making. Yeah. Uh, you know, they would see samples and, and go, oh, that's great. Can I, We definitely want a countertop, but can you do a fireplace? Can you do ah. floor tiles? Can you do, you know, whatever? And they would call it Buddy Roads. We'll have Buddy Roads over here and Buddy Roads over there. <laughs> it was great. 
But then, you know, coming up with the bag mix, because, you know, I came up with this design, concrete design that required uh, a volumetric mixer that I had adapted and trying to do that. But the bag mix was really fun to do and come up with. Yeah. Putting yeah. it all in a bag and trying to sell it that way and and uh, training and so that was yeah, fun. I, I admit I everybody. enjoy that. I, I enjoy designing the materials. So yeah, I, I I thoroughly enjoy that. No, it was fun. And uh, you know, I developed the mix design early on and I just stuck with that. Was I had a uh, I bought a cement tech mixer, volumetric mixer with an auger on the front. And I, uh, out of the back of a magazine called Concrete Producer, and I thought, that's exactly what I need. But I need a couple more bins on there. So I called them up, and they had it made. I never used one before. I had this huge job that I was staring at uh, for a law office in downtown San Francisco. And, um, and so it all kind of came together. And so I made, did this mix design and then I varied everything else that I could to come up with different textures and, uh. um, you know, upside down, right side up, all sorts of different molds and, but keeping the same mix design. Cause I knew that, that I could trust that, that it would shrink so much. And, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And then you had another bagged mix, Buddy's Ultra Green. I remember that. It had like carpet fiber. It had recycled aggregates. Had all oh, kinds of stuff. Man. Yeah, that was my passion. Yeah, yeah, after a while. Yep, I hooked up with Jim Glessner, and um, we packaged Buddy's Ultra Green or Bug Mix, and it was so much fun coming up with that and uh, and the bag. The bag design was great because it had little ants. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and I remember that. I had so much fun doing that stuff and coming up with, yeah. But no one bought it, of course. Oh, it was two dollars more than Quickcrete. Oh, yeah. couldn't that couldn't happen? I couldn't even get my San Francisco hardware store to carry it as a fence post mix. Well, I, was gonna say, I, I thought you got it stocked in like Ace Hardware's around San Francisco, but it was just people didn't want to pay a couple bucks more. Yeah, exactly. No, I had this to place it there on my own dime and stuff. Gotcha. Really? Oh yeah. See, that's ah, those fuck. There's the there's the tough part. <laughs> I, we talked about this in a previous podcast where, for a while, and buddy, I know you remember. You know, all of us. Let's say those of us that were the players were trying our darndest, just like like to be greener, right? To be more earth conscious, recycled materials and, you know, these kind of things. And what I always found is just what you're saying is when these things come to market, you know, the, the real, <laughs> the amount of people that want them are not as much as the noise when it was asking for them. Yeah. That's what I have felt. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. But this was early on, too, the recycling and stuff. I thought I had a hit, but that didn't work out. Well, you did. Maybe it just was at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Right place, yeah. wrong you time. You know what I mean? You may have hit the bullseye. You just hit it 80 years too early. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> 
Yeah. Who knows? To uh, bring that back. Yeah, it was a cool mix for sure. What, what's been your least favorite part of your time in industry? My least favorite pro- part was coming up with the nut that I had every month, every m- week. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of lost my creativity by coming up, what, by trying to keep my business afloat. The business, yeah. You know, because the business became a monster and it had a big stomach and wanted me to feed it all the time. You know, and then, um, you know, taxes and employees. Oh, my God. I had 36 employees when I was a precaster. And uh, running two shifts and and lots wow. of lots of stuff on the table. It was really exciting, too. But also, so you end up having to try to make the transition from creator and being creative to being, you know, whatever CEO, if you will, of just the business running the business. Yeah, that yeah. would be difficult. It was very difficult. Yeah, and then you know, showing them how to do something. My employees, my people, and uh, and then I'd go to. You know, there wasn't a Lowe's at the time, but I'd go, I'd be the gopher to get all the materials and tools and everything. I'd come back and they were doing it all different than I was. <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh no, now what do I do? And so instead of, you know, you're fired, God damn it, yeah. you know, which I could have. Um, and I was a terrible boss. I never fired anybody. I would just have to work with it, you know, okay. So it's not going to be that color. (laughs) (laughs) And just try to work Uh, with it, you know? uh, We're terrible bosses for opposite reasons. You didn't fire anybody and I fire everybody. Two ends of the spectrum. Neither one is is the best way to do it. (laughs) Not the best way. (laughs) Not the best way. Yeah. They don't, yeah. I, you know what? We'll talk a minute. They, I, they never wanted a flat countertop. I love your curved design. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah. We're gonna work with that one. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's when you go to the car and just smoke a joint. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a little room actually by my office. Like upstairs, wasn't it? It was upstairs, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your little hiding place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool off. Oh, where's cool Buddy? Off. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, dude, what's funny is, speaking of that, is, um, you know, I've, I've lost my shit probably in, I've been doing this for 20 years now. In the last 20 years, I've lost my shit probably 10 times. You know, where, like, I just go off, and I greatly regret it. Like, w- with employees, as far as, like, Things are going sideways. I'm just like, ah, I just freak out. Like one time, I think I told you, I threw a trash can across a room because these guys just kept like leaving a breaker box open. It's filling up with sawdust. I kept telling them, you're going to burn the shop down, guys. Just keep this shut. And this went on like a hundred times before I finally just threw a trash can across the, the shop. And uh, their attention. Yeah. And I was, I was telling, I think I was telling Beto about it back, back when Beto was still with you. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. dude, I sometimes like freak out and I regret it. He's like, dude, he's like, we don't have a radio because Buddy breaks them all. I'm like, what? Uh-oh. He's like, dude, every time we have a radio, Buddy gets pissed off and throws the radio across the room. <laughs> he's like, that's why we don't have a radio here. I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Because I didn't, I didn't think that you would ever 
lose your shit, but apparently you do. Or, you know, I think everybody oh, does. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, there was this story that you remind me of that uh, Beto became my foreman. And then um, I hired this other guy because my wife, Susan, had um, cancer and I had to, you know, go to Stanford and be with her. So when I put someone else to do something, anyhow, he would give, I came back one day and he was saying, oh, Beto's doing this and doing that. And so we got into a fist fight <laughs> and I had him, I, I was strangling this guy and, then, and, and they pulled me off of him and you can't talk shit about Beto. <laughs> and so the guy, I forgot his name, but he called the police on me and had me arrested. And then I had him arrested. No. And and the games. police arrested. Everybody's arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and we both were arrested. Anyway, uh, that was fun. Good times. Good times. Yeah. I've never gotten That's to that point. Concrete is hard <laughs> in more ways than one. There you go. Yeah. Concrete. Those were the days. Yeah. I've had people that I think wanted to fight, but we didn't, we didn't get to that point. But you could tell, like, it was a hair trigger away from, from fist fight. But, yeah. So what else, John, what questions do you have for our friend, Buddy Rhodes? For Buddy? Well, I mean, you've been in this for, obviously, you've been around it a long time. I mean, from heydays and running, business, which clearly, you didn't, I don't think any of us care for the business end of it. Uh, it's the creative end that really pushes us all along. Yes. What have you seen? I mean, what what is it that you've liked? I'll do the same, a like and dislike of where this industry came. I mean, so I'm just going to put myself in a position, you know, if you walk back, so you're saying 40 years. So that was, you know, shoot, what was I 12 years old at that time? You know, I mean, that's, I mean, buddy, I mean, I know you know this, but you inspired a lot of us through your book for the things you were doing. Um, and you might well, clarify this, you. wasn't there even a, a little bit of rivalry there you had with somebody at the time? Who was also in San Francisco? Yeah, Utung Chang. Yeah. Um, no, I remember all that, and and one thing that drove me into this, or maybe not drive, but at least brought me there, is some of the first projects I ever did were was you know a client or a customer, you know, picked up a Buddy Rhodes book. Look at this. This is amazing. So from yeah. there, what what like. What changes in this industry have you liked or disliked? Like, what what's some what's some things that have changed that you think is amazing? Change that in a good way, a bad way? In or? a good way, yeah. I mean, have you seen, you know, whether well, I, that I product it, development yeah. or... Go ahead, sorry. I, I started out doing, you know, the press method and, mm -hmm. and backfilling and polishing and uh, trying to get new colors into concrete and then it went into more of a monotone spray you know and then um so it keeps on moving around the what people want you know now it's the um cast right side up you know the hand trowel that's what i that's what i did all the pottery barns with is right side up casting or yeah. troweling and uh, to have the tennis elbow to, or troweling elbow to show it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it, I don't know. 
it's uh, there's it's a lot bigger now than it, when I was in in the game. And um, but it, it was always being compared to marble or granite or corian and and it was just really hard to tell people that no it's concrete and it's going to do what it does yeah see that, is, that's the part know, i agree age and yeah that's the part that i never liked i never liked that this material would you know for whatever reason be compared to other things when it was such and it can be such a standalone authentic material yeah yeah, and then the whole thing about sealers, you know, the, the bomb-proof sealers and all of that, which never kind of worked out. Yeah. and uh, Well, it's still going on, by the way. Still going yeah, so that on. That, that yeah. war will wage for, for eternity as far as what's the best concrete sealer. You know, uh, you know, John and I feel very strongly about ICT reactive sealer. But that being said, I went to your house in San Francisco, and you had concrete countertops. I think they're like charcoal colored, dark color. And uh, you had had a party the night before and had made margaritas or something. There was like lime, white spots, like lime juice all over the countertops. And we were talking yeah. about it. And we we're talking about like, you know, well, what do people say about that? And you're like, dude, and you took olive oil, a bottle, poured some on the countertop, took a paper towel, wiped it. And you're like, the spots are gone. The spots are gone. <laughs> Look, it's fine. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah I was like, going to bottle that. Yeah, there you go. But, there uh, you go. <laughs> yeah. It's just a matter of perspective. Like, if you want concrete to be concrete, let it be concrete. If you want concrete to be plastic, then get plastic. Like, you know, stop trying to make concrete something that's not. That's right. That's right. And everything does, needs maintenance. You know, you need to clean up after yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. Yeah. Agreed. But ICT is a great sealer. Well, guess um, what the airport code is in Wichita? What? ICT. All right. So there's, I, I take pictures when I'm there. That's and so, why you went there. Dude, seriously, I said, this is a sign. This is a sign. Because you drive around on the back of cars, there's bumper stickers that just say ICT. <laughs> when you go into stores, they have t-shirts that say I heart ICT. Because it's, it's like their thing. Like, so that's how they... They have Wichita Pride. It's ICT. They, they put that on everything. So I send John photos when I'm there. Of like, I'm at a coffee shop, and there's some guy wearing, like, I Heart ICT t-shirt at the coffee shop. I'm like, look at this, John. Look at this. It's like free advertising. Yeah. Everywhere you go, everybody's talking about how great ICT is. It's insane. <laughs> Good marketing. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, I love it. That's why you moved to Wichita. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, I was hoping that you'd come out and see me so I could show you my my ranch, my farm. Dude, we've been talking about that for 20 years. I know. Yeah, I've never even seen it. I need to. I know. And we're, well, yeah, about three hours away. Well, I'm going to one of these days. So, you know, I'm remodeling this old, you know, brick tutor uh, right now. But kind of the plan is I'll probably at some point, I don't know when, three years, five years, who knows how long it'll be, buy some property there and build a, another modern rammed earth house somewhere over there. Yeah. But yeah, I'd Good. love to... At some point down the road, do a Ramberth project out of your place, uh, like a there little Airbnb go. cabin can, or something, you know? That would be great. Or even a hoedown in uh, Northern California. There's also that, a hoedown. That's a nice segue. I like that. I like the way you worked that in. Yeah. The hoedown, yeah. buddy. Me and, me and John were talking earlier today before we uh, did this podcast. Oh, I dropped something. Yeah. We were talking earlier today before we did this podcast that we want to officially invite you to the Concrete Hoedown 
at Dusty's place coming up this October. If you can make it, we'd love to have you there. It's going to be a good time. Well, thank you. Yeah, I will definitely put that on my my dance card. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you know, you. we we always looked back at the um, the epics that used to happen, the Buddy Rhodes Blue Concrete epics back in the day, and yeah, they how were fun. yeah, how fun they were. They were fun. We want to recreate the magic that that happened there. I mean, there was things that could have been done better in every event that's the case. So we want to improve on the things that could have been done better, but foster the things that were done extremely well and, uh, and you know, have a, a, a good social event, more social than anything of just camaraderie and having a good time. Yeah, well, I'd love to. And I'd love to see Dusty's place hang out. Yeah, I haven't been to his guys. new shop. I well, I yeah. have been to his new shop. I haven't been to his new shop since he's finished it. I was there when it was just getting done, but now he's built the saloon, like a legit saloon. It's crazy. He built a saloon on a shop, and it's just it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be a good time. Uh, John, anything else? No, buddy. I just uh, you know, uh, once again, it's been a long time. Although I did just talk to you the other day, we had quite the chat. So when I called yeah. you about uh, coming on, so it goes too long. So what I would say with you, buddy, we got to figure out a way more often to get together because uh, yeah, I'd like to. Say, I, it, I don't have my finger in the mix anymore, and I'd like to you know, dive in now that you know Smooth On has let me go. No, that, uh, I'm a free agent. We're happy to. Uh... To help fulfill your your concrete needs, we can help you with that. Right. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Well, dude, All seriously, right. come out, come we'll out put, to the hoedown. We'll, we'll make on the table for you. We'll make uh, con- concrete projectiles. We're going to shoot them out at targets in a in a field. Dusty has like 500 acres out there, and so yeah, we're going to have a good time. All right. Yeah. Sounds good, buddy. Anything you want to say? No, I just uh, follow you guys, and I'm glad uh, you keep the torch going. Well, we're happy to, to carry it. Yeah. And I'm going to just officially say thank you for all the years of inspiration. Yeah. Uh, you may not know that, or maybe in many ways you do, but uh, thank you for, wow. for, you know, Brandon and I sitting on this end of a microphone speaking with you, I'm willing to say probably would have never happened had you not started doing what you did 40 uh, years ago. Oh, 1,000%. Uh, yeah, for sure. Right? No, it's true. Yeah. Thank you, guys, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I'm sitting in my rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, it's been a great chat. We'll do it again sooner than later. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. All right, man. Take Thanks. care. Thank you, buddy. Good to talk to you. Adios, amigo. Adios. Adios. Adios.